Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, everyone. We've got something a little bit special for you today because we've got a full complement in the studio. So myself, Rowan, Ollie Marriage, Ollie Q, and as a special treat, Paul Horrell on the line as well, because we're going to talk about a feature that was just uh, fairly extraordinary, actually, and was definitely worth a podcast on its own, going through all the details, how it came about, and actually what happened um, on the day. And it's centred around a, a car that's fairly extraordinary in its own right, which is the new Pagani, and it's called the Pagani Utopia, if you haven't heard. Um, so maybe we just start there, guys, and give people a bit of info on this car, the, the new Pagani, and then we'll expand out into the chaos that occurred in Italy. Um, so go on, Ollie, you were on the launch, weren't you? <laughs> the lo- well, you call it a launch. It was the most extravagant and unusual event I've been to forever, I, should, I reckon. <laughs> so you've been to some so- wild parties. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Horatio's only his third ever supercar after the Zonda and the Waira. They did the launch in a theatre in Milan. But it wasn't just like a media unveil. This is where they invite all their clients and customers to come and see. So the the clientele there was astonishing. The outfits people were wearing were amazing. But it started, it was almost a bit like Elton John vibes because it started with sort of mist and the car on a stage and then a piano came up through the floor with Horatio playing the piano. Nice. It was was fantastic. Did he have some palm tree spectacles on as well? (laughs) (laughs) And he needed a crooner lying across the bonnet. What what was he playing? Chopsticks? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was one of his own compositions to go with the car. I mean, it was the full theatrical thing. So you had this event for like 500 people in the theatre and then we all went from there to the Leonardo da Vinci Museum in Milan where they, um, yeah, they had this huge dinner for like for all of us and, and you could go and walk around all the galleries and Horatio was just in his element because that whole link of art and science is what... Pagani stands for. And did you talk to any of the Pagani customers? Interesting. Yeah, bunch? I did. I had a couple who come, came up to me and said, "What do you think?" I'm thinking about it, and <laughs> it's like, well, if you've already owned one, then you've got a much better idea than I do." To be fair. So, what is, but, what is the Utopia? If we take it back to it, because you know Paganis don't come along that often. A car named after down? a perfect society. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a big claim <laughs> yeah, to make, isn't it? it about is, your third it? ever products you've put on the market. But yeah, yeah. It's basically the the last. <laughs> Analog supercar? Well, Gordon Murray make a claim to that, but Ollie, you've been yeah. up close to it, isn't it? It's it's a, it's going in for that analog market, isn't it? It, it is completely, but because so he's gonna have it's gonna have a manual or be available with a manual gearbox, and there's not many of those yet. Yeah, the, the Murray is one, and does the is the Koenigsegg? The yes, well, they're going to do the simulated do... manual on that yeah, CC850, yeah. which is yeah. effectively Yesco in a retro body with a. See, it's all coming back. Yeah. Manuals are back, yeah. which is which is super exciting and very happy happy news for us all. But yeah, so the Utopia is the, only their third ever hypercar. Um, it is, I mean, it's quite steampunky in the look of it. I wasn't really sure about it when I first saw the pictures. When I got there, though, it's got all that incredible detailing and surfacing and everything else that you just that make Pagani's so well, cool. In the yeah, same for me. When I first revealed. Oh, sorry. You know, you go, Paul. Oh, well, I was going to say, when I actually saw it, um, it was much more, uh, much better. Better looking, much more um, softly surfaced than the kind of 
what appears to be rather uh, almost naive um, compared with his previous cars. Um, but when you, in, in the photographs, you know, it just looks a bit flat, but it really lifts out and really has a kind of life and an energy to it when you see it um, sitting, standing there in front of you. So what are we talking? Are we still just a carbon fibre tub with a big V12 in it, turbocharged like the Wira? Well, just in the sense of, yes, that is his... Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a difficult to man to please, isn't it? Merely oh, 800... Only a carbotanium yeah. hypercar. Yeah, oh, no. Not another one. It's That's the point, though. You can describe it simply, but it's all about the detail. Um, there are 40 new different kinds of uh, carbon fibre and and. and carbon metal fibre resins a bit in the excessive. car. Yeah, well, they each they each have their own little <laughs> job. Um, they each have their own unique properties. I mean, you know, a steel car's got lots of different kinds of steel in, you know. It's, but um, And it's got uh, chromo frames front and back, so steel frames front and back, crash structures, um, and it's got a V12 engine and it's got a manual transmission. So, yeah, you know, simple, a tub with, 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 with steel frames. And... Um, a, a relatively straightforward engine, no hybridization, no four-wheel drive, no four-wheel steering, no adaptive anti-roll, none of that stuff. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, he, uh, he Horacio, said that he was offered by AMG um, a power pack of a V8 turbocharged engine with a hybrid, um, with a plug-in battery, with four-wheel drive. And he said, but I didn't want that. Um that would have added 350 kilograms, and I didn't want that. My customers didn't want that. It's just not what we do here. So they built him a special a V12 engine. So it was a no. <laughs> yeah, he just looked at, me, looked at me and he said, Paul, I know you just wouldn't have had it, would you, mate? Um, but isn't it interesting, as, as Ferrari and Lamborghini, everyone's piling on power and chucking in batteries and motors and torque filling and everything. Here's Pregani going, actually, I'll make a car with less power than I could, purely yeah. because yeah. I'm more interested in... The artwork, it's... And, yeah, it would have been a 1,000 horsepower. That hybrid would have been a 1,000 horsepower. Um, but, but he, but it he turned down... And he actually, he owns himself yeah. a 918. So, you know, he's not a Luddite. Um, but he just, it, he doesn't want that for his cars. And wasn't this the... What, wasn't this the car we were slightly worried was going to be the first all-electric Pagani? You, you mentioned that you yeah, spoke to a, Horacio. Yeah, an interesting conversation a couple of years ago. It was back when kind of everyone was going crazy for electric hypercars. This would have been about 2019. I had a chat with him at the Geneva Mode Show and said, oh, are you thinking about one of these as well? And he sort of, through his translator, because he doesn't, Horacio's, it's interesting. I think he's, he perhaps understands more English than he lets on, but he's sort of very guarded in the way he speaks and he speaks very considered. And he said, my customers don't want me to build an electric car, but I'm looking at it. They're, they're, they're protesting, they're up in arms. They're saying we won't build it, but I'm, I'm investigating it. And here we are a few years later. And, um, yeah, he's cancelled the electric car project, I think we understand, and even moved away from the hybrid. It's, it's but, uh, No, he hasn't cancelled the electric project. So he hasn't. When I interviewed him on the Utopia launch, he said, no, we haven't cancelled it. We're still looking at it because we need to consider all the technologies that might come along. But, but he's yeah. waiting for it to get a lot lighter and a lot simpler, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It's yeah. a similar thing yeah. with, with McLaren and all the others. They know they're going to have to go there eventually or overwhelmingly likely to have to go there eventually. But... It's a matter of it's a matter of prudent investigation rather than a matter of saying, yeah, we're going to do it and we're going to do it by this date um, because there are so many things to sort out. It's not just about wanting to do, you know, 20 laps of a track. Um, it's about making sure that when you've done 20 laps of the track, the battery isn't so hot that it can't accept charge. You know, the thermal management, I mean, a battery needs to be at 25 degrees. So if you're driving, you know, on a hot track in Dubai at 35 degrees, 
how do you get that thing cooled? You know, there's, there are lots of things to overcome. Those little fans that you get in boots, I think you should. Yeah, put that that's, in. Oh, what are they? Yeah, you plug it—a oh. USB fan that you plug into the dashboard, <laughs> yeah. and they just point it at the floor of the, the car. Answer. Yeah, but isn't it amazing where Pagani, like the rise of Pagani and how the brand has turned into this massive Liberace thing, and everyone is well known for it when they've only produced less than a handful of cars. And when the Zonda came along, it was what, like two, three hundred thousand pounds, maybe well, a bit more. I know it was the late nineties, but now they're like everything's got two zeros on the ends now. Yeah. Well, and the cars that sold for, 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 for one and a half or two million are now worth 20. Um, and there is no such thing really as a kind of second-hand Pagani because they can be refreshed and remade into the new one and, and, and updated and so on. In fact, there's a car in the that's now in their museum, but it's got 300,000 miles on it. And it's been... Nona. Si- Nona. Nona, the grandmother. Nona. Incidentally, while yeah. we're on the Italian pronunciation, can I just point out that they all say... Utopia, not Utopia. Yes. Um, <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. That sounds like a no, nightclub I'm not in Sheffield. Utopia. Yeah. <laughs> it never I'm sounds not. good out of an English mouth. It's like no. if we say, oh, I'm going on holiday to the French capital, Paris. <laughs> you just sound like a fool. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, amazing what the Zonda did because it shocked and, uh, you know, the telly show back in the day had was such a good launch pad for it and everyone likes that childlike supercar. Yeah. But then with well, the and at- then... Sorry, he and where, we, where we are now, yeah, it's it's incredible to see where the Utopia yeah. is, and then you came up with quite a good idea of what to do with it. Yeah, so let, let, let's um, let's bring in the feature idea because before um, Ollie went off to Italy to be serenaded by Horacio on a grand piano, um, <laughs> you actually spotted that they had a bit of a collab going on with a local camera maker. So, uh, how, how did this idea come about? Well, yeah, I lurk around on on photographic websites, um, and I mean, I, I you know, I it's sorry, I like you know, I like <laughs> photography; it's an interest of mine. So um, I spotted that um, Ghibellini Camera, um, which is it turns out a company, yeah, very local to to Pagani. It's kind of up one of the roads where we've tested all those Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Paganis, you know, over time, um, and they make uh, what are called view cameras. Um, Eight, with a sheet of film, eight inches by ten inches, or five inches by four inches, whatever you can get in different sizes. But um, and they're beautiful, beautiful cameras. And it turned out that they were doing a collaboration with Pagani um, because Pagani are trying to um, expand their footprint as a company. They don't, they're not going to make an SUV. They're not going to make a, a cheap car. Um, you know, they're not going to open a, a factory in Singapore. What they're going to do is. Um, Brand extensions. So they design furniture. Um, they've designed the interiors of aircraft, various things like that. They have a company called Pagani Arte that does this stuff. And so one of the suppliers um, of sort of high-end uh, metal components to Ghibellini Camera and to Pagani um, just introduced the two of them and said, um, why don't you get together? And so uh, they have produced this beautiful, beautiful um, limited edition of 75 70,000-pound cameras. Um, and I thought, well, let's photograph the Pagani car with the Pagani camera. And this is very different to your point-or-shoot or your Instamatic or something like that. It is a, it's a the very... full Victorian camera. Yeah, it's exactly. shake it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Like bellows, just paint, painting a picture, <clears throat> big bellows down the side, a big cloth hanging off the back. Um, not quite sure what the cloth's for, but it just looks uh, very well, Victorian. Uh, what the cloth is for... Uh, is that you you don't put the film in the camera. What you do is you compose on a ground glass 
screen. So the, the, the lens projects the image that you're looking at um, or that you're composing onto this glass screen. And then at the last, and so you, the glass screen isn't very bright. Um, so you have to be under the cloth. I mean, in other respects, this camera looks like the camera on a speed camera sign. Um, uh, anyway, so you go and the image is upside down as well. The image right? is upside down. So doing the composition is a, is a very slow and contemplative process. Um, but essentially, these are the same cameras that you know, Fox Talbot and people like that used 170 years ago. It is the original camera. Um, and, and to a degree, invented by da Vinci himself um, in the 15th century. But anyway... Um, There's composition. your da Vinci link for yeah, the, yeah, another for the launch. Launch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very slow and sort of philosophical process, according to and the that, photographers that do it. And that's where we were getting at, right? Is that, you know, these days we shoot uh, photography. Rowan over here is a, a photographer for, for the magazine, the website, um, digital photography. I know your new mirrorless Sony camera, whatever you have, can shoot X number of frames a second. Too many, yeah. Too many. <laughs> it's basically film, yeah. Um, whereas this, you know, this is about, you know, there is no, um, there's no post post-production you can do on these pictures it, it's what goes into the camera is what comes out is that yeah, right that's right yeah. and it's no presets here <laughs> no no and it, it, definitely none of your spray and pray you know you take <laughs> you take a picture gun and run yeah <laughs> which I haven't heard I haven't spoken to you even though we were down the pub last night about this story but it didn't quite go quite to plan did it because film I've heard all these stories not being a man who ever grew up with film photography is a bit of a nightmare you can't take the film through x-ray scanners and i've heard stories of people shooting magazine covers and then putting them in their bag and then they walk through an airport scanner and they've lost everything yeah. that they've gone and shot for two weeks what happened uh was it were you out in italy where you shot the car yeah i was saying yeah i mean you never you um yeah to a degree you never know you can't just see the image on the screen of the camera after you've taken it in fact many years ago i went to do a job that involved taking a porsche um flying to germany picking up a porsche driving to the nurburgring Somebody else went to Hethel, picked up a Lotus, drove it also to the Nürburgring. We spent all day shooting on the Nürburgring. Came home, 50 rolls of black film because the cameras, the the, 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 the it, everything seemed to be working. You know, all the right clicks were happening. The, um, the lens was stopping down, the mirror was flipping up, the motor was winding on, everything was fine, except it wasn't because the shutter wasn't opening. So... Uh, we had to go back to Porsche, get the car again, go back oh. to Hethel, get the Lotus again, go back to the etc. So this can happen. The, that would never modern... happen twice to someone. That it would, would never happen bad. twice to someone. No, it would never happen. No, nobody, nobody in this story is in any way jinxed. So we went to Bagani with the camera. We spent all day with Alessandro Ghibellini himself, the guy that set up the, the, the company, who's a, who's, a, who's a very interesting man, very like Herathio, Herathio in many ways. Um and so Tom Salt, a wonderful, wonderful photographer who I've been working with for more than 20 years on and off, um, and a great expert in film photography because he did a lot of architectural photography, one of the leading practices in America. Um, and so he, he shot six photographs all day because it takes all day to take six photographs. 
Lazy, um, lazy Tom. Lazy, <laughs> feet up, drinking espresso. Was you, know, you, about, <laughs> you know what you're saying about my camera? It takes 30 frames a second. So <laughs> I could on, have done uh, so quick, much more work than Tom. Yeah. So in one that's, fifth that's, uh, of a second, that's what you know. That's why we pay you one fifth of a second's worth of pay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're worth, dude. So um, <laughs> no, the lunch went uneaten. Tom was working really hard all day. Um, and then at the end of the day, just as I had to leave for the airport, um, they went into uh, a dark room that had been set up at the factory. Um, and as I was standing in the security queue of the airport, the WhatsApp started pinging. And basically, yeah, all the film had come out black. Um, <sighs> now, because this is negative <laughs> film, what black means is light. At some point, this film had been exposed to light. Um, and so go was, on, what's your theory? What's your theory? My theory is, yeah, my, <laughs> I, th I suspect that, you know, the, the, the box of film had just been moved at some point. And a box of film, because it's so big, it's 10 inches by 8 inches, looks like a box of print paper. And somebody had probably thought, oh, well, you know, I wonder what prints are in that box. And it opened the box and saw something that wasn't prints and then closed the box again. Uh, but by this time, the, the thing had all been fogged. I mean... It, it didn't happen in the camera. It was no fault of the camera because if there was something wrong with the camera, if there was a light leak, you'd get like streaks and things like that. You know, if there was something wrong with the with the developing drum, same thing. It wasn't like that. It was just uniformly black, a uniform catastrophe. And 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 just to just to clarify, you were getting on a plane. You're dead enough. You were off. No, no, I would. Yeah, I, well, yeah. <laughs> you were abandoning ship at this point. No, I, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I was scheduled on the plane because I had to be home that night. Paul, um, um, this is the, the Pagani are based in the same area of Italy, aren't they? As Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, this Emilia Magna supercar valley, correct? So, I mean, yeah. there's no hint that there's, there was any sort of sabotage here, right? There's no one from, <laughs> Ferrari have not let themselves in and tampered with this film, have they? Uh, you know, this thing's making them, you know, look a little bit. Looking a little bit silly. Yeah, you have been spending too much time on Twitter, mate. That is just a, a <laughs> mad but, conspiracy theory. But I have seen the new magazine, and there are images of the car shot with the camera. So what happened to make those work? What happened was that um, Tom and Alessandro Ghibellini just stayed on all night and did it again. Um, they got some lights, um, and, and they made it work. And actually, in many ways, I think the prints were even more beautiful um, because they could concentrate um the, the the lighting on the car rather than use the kind of um uh, natural what was coming through the roof of the warehouse where they were shooting which was a, a bit uncontrolled and a bit splodgy really um and it, it the carbon fiber just jumps out um yeah. because this lens well, can resolve every single strand of carbon fiber well, it's absolutely extraordinary i was going to ask for you as a, a photography nerd <clears throat> to uh, to help us understand, you know, what makes a, a seventy thousand pound camera so special. Obviously, the the, the construction. I've, there's beautiful detail photography um, shot on a modern camera from the day that show you all the all the components of the camera which are, are beautifully made. But what is it about the quality of the image? I agree. So I, I, you know, I don't count myself as knowing anything about photography, but they do hit in a different way. Um, there's sort of more detail um, in certain things, but essentially the, they're at the same resolution as a digital photo. So what, what am I looking at? Why are my eyes seeing something different? Well, they're not quite at the same resolution. Um, I mean, you, you, the, the sensor on your smartphone, for example, is six 
four or six millimeters across. Um, the, the sensor, if you like, the piece of film in this camera is 10 inches across. Um, so you can imagine there's scope for putting much more, um, much more detail onto that um, slab of film. Um, but it's also to do with aspects like depth of field, um, that when you have a very small um, piece of film, almost everything is in focus. When you have a very large one, um, the effective aperture is, is much bigger. And so what is, by depth of field, I mean that you focus on something a certain distance away. And what with the, with the 8x10 camera is a little way beyond that distance or a long way beyond that distance is increasingly and noticeably creamy and out of focus and blurry in a very in, in a very pleasing way and what is closer than your point of focus is also very um uh very blurry and so you have this this wonderful sense of depth and three-dimensionality that's part of it the other thing about film is what they call dynamic range um with uh, digital film it is precisely that it's digital it's binary it's kind of a certain number of steps on or off so when you get to the lightest part of the film, you go from really very bright to white on a, in a single step. And so if you look, you know, around the sun or around a highlight on a digital picture, you effectively, there's a very visible circle where the thing is either white and then at, beyond the boundary of that circle, it's not white. Whereas with film, there's just this very soft kind of roll off into the highlights. Um, and so it, it just looks, it just looks more alive. Rowan, as the, the only photographer in this room, professional photographer, I should say, should we return to analogue? Do you no. like the sound of it? No, not at all. It's an absolute headache. Yeah. Even when I heard that Tom was doing this job, I've never dealt with film whatsoever. All I know is it's a massive headache. Mm. And um, I don't think I would have made it to the end of the shoot because if I had walked out after a hard day's work and then realised that my work was for nothing and I've got to do it all over again, I would probably would have jumped in front of the utopia and asked Horacio to run me over. <laughs> but um, Have you never had a card? Have you never had a digital Have you never had an SD card? Go on the fritz. Fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, right, thank you. Also equally annoying, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, but, but you've usually shot... Enough, yeah. Four or five cards, haven't you? Yeah, I've sprayed enough. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. glowing red from how much <laughs> photography has been put, so you've, put on you've them. never had to go back and do an entire shoot again? No, no. Well, not that I've told you, but yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but how but fascinating also, that analogue... Analogue's working for some things, isn't it? Like analogue supercars, you know, Koenigsegg, Pagani... Uh, Gordon Murray, they're back. Analog word never went away with vinyl, and there's all this certain stuff that people just are craving the analog, and they're craving the old school. But then magazines, yeah, well, yeah, printing out the internet. What an idea! But otherwise, <laughs> there's other areas like you said, like photography, where it doesn't work. So maybe, yeah, maybe not everything is better old school. But it's just got me thinking now. Maybe for the listeners at home to think about what else should Pagani do an analog version of. You know, they've done this analog camera. I mean, imagine like a Pagani analog coffee machine. Imagine a Pagani What's a digital analog... coffee machine? Is there such a thing? <laughs> well, you know, you press the touchscreen and it makes you a coffee. But imagine yeah. Pagani doing you a sort of clockwork mechanism, grinding the beans all made out of carbotanium. I'd drink that. Yeah. It's been it's, it's in my kitchen, Ollie, can I just say? <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, don't get... Look, look, we've already had Paul on photography today. Let's not get him on coffee. God, that's, his other, <laughs> that's, that's his other hobby. But if we step out of Jessup's for a second... And 
Fine, get into the cards. Um, so the utopia. I'm a bit confused because the position, because Pagani, in the space of not you know, not a lot of news being around it, the last time I was around Pagani was with the BC, which was a kind of slightly more track-orientated Wira. And then in the last year, we've had the Wira R and then this utopia. So we've kind of got something which is very beautiful. Pagani's have always been automotive jewellery, fantastic detail and precision. But then they, they've also, where they step with performances, I've always found slightly odd. You either have super hardcore, you always have big numbers, but you don't think, oh, I would love to drive this fast. It's either something to be seen in or, you know, you, n- you never go, oh, I'd love to go thrash that around. But they are equally good if you do do it. We've They're all been amazing. Yeah, Zondas yeah. and wires, etc. Where does this utopia fit? Because this does look even more kind of wardrobe and jewellery-esque than anything else I've seen. It does look more arty. Well, I think um, what they say, I haven't driven it yet, um, but what Horatio said and what the engineers said is that it's about the connection. In many ways, it goes back to the Zonda. I mean, I remember turning up with Tom Salt, in fact, in 2002 to drive uh, the Zonda S, which must have been about the 50th car they'd ever built. Um, I mean, not the 50th model, but the 50th car. Um, and it was just, it, it was the original Zonda, um, but with, with with more power and certain other changes. But it, it was unbelievably intimidating at the time. It was just so much more powerful than than pretty well anything else. Um, and it looked otherworldly. And yet you got in it and you discovered it actually rode quite well. Um, it was quite easy to drive. And then you went a bit mad in it and it was unbelievably connected and made you feel um, very much confident and and connected and part of the equation, part of the driving. And it was just a gorgeous thing. Um, and I in think fact, this, um, uh, this is what they want to get back to, the analog thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You sent me a wonderful... Um, uh, video the other day didn't you from when was that was that the original zonda c12 test no that was the day that was that was the um that was with the c12s yeah but talking about analog i i I do realize it was a digital file but this was shot on a smartphone circa 2002 2002 2002 20 (laughs) years ago the resolution it must be you can't even tell it's a pagani (laughs) i think think the resolution was 300 yeah it was 300 by 200 resolution you know it it it, it made me feel nostalgic and yearn for a time when you'd take pictures of your friends in the pub and you couldn't really tell which one it was but look i'm taking a picture (laughs) on my phone anyway I think that's yeah. a, that's a throwback series for topgear.com I think yeah, you know yeah. dodgy phone videos from 20 years ago. <laughs> but go. those but those Zondas were amazingly connected. We had a when when soon after I joined Top Gear and we did our performance car of the year on the Stelvio Pass and we had we had a Zonda along for that one of the last of the line uh Zondas along for that. But the car we'd arranged to borrow from straight from the factory was an owner's car and Christopher Pagani, Horacio's son, had said to me, "Oh, we've this is this is the car we can let you have. It's orange." Um, I went, oh, brilliant! He said, "Just one thing: the um the owner's girlfriend has painted a mural on it for him." <laughs> this was no Banksy. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was a Batman over the entire bonnet with a massive kapow or something coming out of it. Cartoon Batman. Cartoon Batman on the bonnet, the whole of the bonnet of the car. 
So not only were we driving an orange Zonda, but it was an orange Zonda with Batman on the bonnet. I wonder whether the owner it asked was, for it or, or it was no, a surprise. No, it was a birthday present. It was a surprise birthday, birthday present. Surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, not a car like, for the shiny tyrant. <laughs> I've got one of these new Paganis coming. It's a real Batmobile. Someone <laughs> yeah. just took it way too literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's it. it was the Batmobile car. I remember when it was mm. in Gran Turismo. But I lucky that was my first experience with Pagani as well. I drove Batman as well. Uh, it was my 23rd birthday, and I went out <laughs> to do Pagani's first ever uh, billionaire's cruise around Tuscany, where they had 12 Paganis all together, and it was just when they launched the Wira. And hopping between the two, it was amazing in that time how you could see the development of the cars, because the Zondas, I remember the shot of Ollie drifting it around the Stelvio Pass. The pendulum effect of that huge V12 at the back, they weren't stable. And Davide Testi, who was their test driver, said this wire is so amazing because at Nardo, basically, they would go through 120 miles an hour and the Zonda would be spat off, where the wire wouldn't. They're like, this is a huge development. But when they brought that, you know, they turbocharged that engine, didn't have the V12, it didn't have the same character that the Zonda did. But anywhere you go, and when we're on this billionaire cruise, roll in with the Zonda and then 12 other Paganis. You stop every child in the surrounding 60-mile <laughs> radius who come and scream at it. And that's what supercars do. Um, but, you know, does the Utopia do that? Does it have the same kind of poster-child effects? Because we're used to these multi-million pounds hypercars coming out of it's everywhere. It's a different world, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very different world. The Zonda was more exposed was to them, I think, because you see that everyone's kids see them on Instagram and social now. So they do... If they, their experience of them is probably slightly different, so I just hope they still stick them on posters on a bedroom wall. Yeah. Yeah, but don't forget, this is this is um, Utopia. Um, Utopia. Mark, uh, you know, uh, V1. There's obviously going to be BCs and, you know, they'll chop the roof off and there'll be various... Utopia R. Yeah, Utopia Shrek R. Shrek spec, maybe. Will there? Yeah. Yeah, is, is it going to go there? Yeah, yeah, really? I'm sure. They yeah, will. it'll go there. They, they, they say it will. But it's, um, I mean, one of the things that you have to face is that these days to get attention, as you say, in the Instagram world, you have to make a supercar really ugly because apparently that's what that's what aerodynamics does, you know, apparently, uh, according to um, McLaren and others. Um, and what they, they, Pagani, have done is designed this car where the aerodynamics are very clean and very hidden. Um, and it does have variable bilateral um aero vectoring if you like um flaps at the back flaps, flaps at, at the, the back, back but yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. you don't in the normal runner play you don't see them um they just do their thing while they're doing their thing and then they're not they're not there the rest of the time um, so it's not like the wire where the wire is constantly like a birthday card like opening and closing as you went round a roundabout where it had i think you'd have to be going front and rear you'd have to be going round a roundabout with some dispatch for yes, that but to this happen. is a supercar <laughs> and everyone's got a camera phone people are going to want to see the flaps come up and you know how this ends uh, with a you know bad how this viral ends. video <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's um as i say it is a more subtle looking thing but i mean we're talking about subtle in the context of pagani yeah what's the price point for this um subtle supercar uh, it's. It I think it's in two, the. Doesn't it? I have no idea. I think it's. If if you need to ask, um, then <laughs> well, we did. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Sorry, I failed in my duty as a journalist. Well, no, I'm, I, I'm, really I'm sorry. scanning your. I know what the camera now, costs. Yeah. No, it's not yeah, there. Yeah. I can tell you, it's not there. <laughs> I forgot to ask. <laughs> but they're only Look, I'm not. Like, you know, this isn't what car magazine. You know, I didn't ask what the monthly re- lease payments were. Okay. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not depreciation of reports. One of these? Yeah. Oh no, I can tell you the depreciation. There it's negative. The depreciation. Two, two, and half, two and a half million quid. About. Yeah. Okay. There we go. The depreciation is strongly negative. I mean, if it's two and a half million quid now, it will be twenty million quid in five five years. 
I, I, but I'm not qualified to give investment advice, and I'm not certified by this. The FSA. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy crypto, buy a pajama. Half a million quid each. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get it out now. Yeah. I'll draw Let's it, it out yeah. on the back at lunch. Start selling yeah, yeah. houses. But it, like you were saying about the Zondas, they were saying, because the Zonda, it was a joke in the office, there was always a special edition. That every Geneva show or something, we had the Tempesta and this, and they were just morphing. But all the owners would then go back and, like you said, have the upgrades. And was it the 740 RS, which was the top one, which Lewis Hamilton had was a very cool manual gearbox. Yeah, 760. Yeah, yeah. LH was his one, the pink one that he was seeing around Monaco in, I think. Yeah. But that's the thing. I yeah, think it's just these cars yeah. will always just keep on evolving to a point and the, you know, the numbers will just go higher and higher and higher. The so ironically, the rarest Pagani you could get now is probably one that's never been mucked about with and upgraded. If you had a standard one from way back in yeah, the late 90s, C12, which we've got time for a really quick Pagani memory, I think I might have driven that exact car. Because after having interviewed Pagani, he said, have you, what do you think of my cars? I'm sorry, mate, I've never even sat in one. He said, oh, we're not to have this. You come to my factory, you drive my car. <laughs> so I, invite, I went out to Italy. And this, was, um, this was in 2019, so it was 20 years of Pagani. Great opportunity to kind of bookend the company. The newest thing they had there was the Waira Roadster. So I got to drive that, but I needed to drive a Zonda to compare. So Horatio lent me his personal Zonda, which is chassis number five. It is the world's first clear coat carbon car. You know how many hypercars now have got this clear coat carbon body? This was the, apparently the first one to do it. It was the show car from Geneva Motor Show, 1999. It was insured for five million quid. And, and he let you drive it? Yes. Did having, you put L plates on it? <laughs> <laughs> I had to have the test driver next to me at all times, but that became useful for a reason I'll tell you in a moment. But it was just as we were leaving, the, I was looking how tiny the tyres are. I mean, Paul, you'll remember this from driving it in period. Sorry to make you feel older. But it was like on 18-inch wheels. I mean, that feels, yeah, that wouldn't get over the brakes they have these days. But I was, yeah, as you say, massively intimidated by this thing. And as I was sort of pottering along, trying to nurse the gear shift, I was overtaken in Italy by a Citroen Zara Picasso <laughs> on the okay. door handles. This guy absolutely just mugged me in the Zonda. <laughs> and the test driver just kind of came around from this snooze he was having in the passenger seat, like I'd effectively just, you know, insulted the Virgin Mary and just went, no, no, we not, we not have this. <laughs> and he basically stuck his head out of the side window and went, is clear. You go. And, uh, <laughs> effectively peer pressured me into flooring it past the Citroen guy who must have, the sight must have been extraordinary, isn't it? Those quad exhaust pipes just came screaming by. Yeah. But it was at that moment that I realised, yeah, these Zondas, I kind of thought back in the day, oh, everyone was just going, oh, wow, look at the funny air vents and the, you know, bath mat interior, you know, they were getting bowled over by it. But it was actually a great sports car. And that was the moment where I thought, yeah, these aren't just artworks. These are proper, proper supercars. Quite wide as well. Did the did the Citroen leave you enough space? He was very considerate, actually, but I think because he had both hands off the steering wheel filming me as I went past. <laughs> Only in Italy. And then, yeah, as we, at the end of the day, wanted a photographer, a classic, wants a sunset shot of the Waira and the Zonda together. Went to a car park, went to a beauty spot. No, there's a lovely hairpin turn. So we just parked the cars on a hairpin turn. Can you imagine doing that in Britain? just stopping all traffic, take a photo of the supercars, there would be riots. You'd have to call the police. There, we effectively started a kind of village fate. People pulled up. They're very polite. They got out of their cars. They came and started offered us... serving food. They did. They, they were offering us dinner and just as, in return for a sit in the car. I mean, just Italy. What no, it's great. You're absolutely right. Supercar. supercar shoots in Italy. People are just honoured and delighted that you've come to muck up their lives. <laughs> Whereas, you know, you, you park a car on a single yellow in London for 30 seconds and you are just enemy of the people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, um, shamefully, I might be the only person here who hasn't 
ever driven a Pagani. Oh, mate, I'll put a word in. What I was going to say, Horatio, if you're if you're listening, come on, you did it for Q, you did it for me. I'll, I'll go on then. I'll have first go in the Utopia. Why not? That's what being editor is. You could you could put yourself forward, Jack. Pull rank. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling I'm not going to get. I a think, call. No, I think they they, they they want to do a um, wire our Nurburgring lap time. So maybe you're the man for that. We'll strap you in that. Well, I have, <laughs> I have Nurburgring experience uh, in the uh, Chiron Supersport. Um, oh, and, clang! Yeah. <laughs> well, except uh, if you've seen the video on YouTube, it I nearly was, was clang. It's the barrier. <laughs> no, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I averaged, I think, thirty-two point five miles an hour around the Nurburgring. Yeah. Um, most of it sideways unintentionally and kept it out the barrier which was my crowning achievement yeah and and, and like you and the Citroen Zara there was that BMW 316 compact <laughs> Diesel. which you yeah, hassling you through yeah, the yeah, foxhole get, get away from <laughs> him god he was good he was is good. there another series in this in, like cars that I've had been embarrassingly overtaken in like the, I, I was in the <laughs> my the Lamborghini LM002 which I had a Fiat Ducato whistle past me so somebody who <laughs> Somebody who was waiting for the fair, plumber in Italy got their plumber very quickly. <laughs> to be fair, big engine, but big car. The acceleration yeah. isn't isn't what it's cracked up to be in that. I mean, no. I will, we'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So Pagani, pretty cool company, hey? Cool Pagani, cars, cool cl- guy. Clocked it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's so exciting. You know, the, 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 this car, the Utopia. Um, I love that we've we've tri- before we drive it. First and foremost, we've treated it like a proper piece of art and, and shot it on this camera but um you you have to see the feature because there's this wonderful mix of the 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 photos that eventually came out right out the out out the back of this camera and also a load of just reportage photography from the day some of it taken by paul himself i know um and some of it taken by by (laughs) by your is this your photo debut in top gear magazine uh, apart from pictures of my long-term Tesco, oh, of course, is, yeah. <laughs> we, we, all, yeah. we all snap away in the garage section. But um, it's, no, it's just a fantastic story. This, it's so rich, and the way that you talk about the car and the camera and Tom and the process, um, it's a great read. Check it out. Thank you. Old school supercar, old school photography. Get it in an old school magazine. I thought you can say old school. Written by an old school. So close. So close. Sackable effect. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe.